and welcome back to yet another edition of Kent and the Steering Team, the podcast all about things and stuff with people and stuff. Ah, uh, yes, as always, you are joined by myself, Phil, my friends Bianca and Drew. Unfortunately, there is no Kent this week. Um, he's yet again being caught up with, with stuff. Trusty old <laughs> ICAC. Not just stuff, ICAC stuff. Oh, anyway, oh, oh. Yeah. Anyway, on with the show. Team, how are we? Good, good. We are good. great. Good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Um, look, we've got a full episode, full episode of stuff and yeah. things. Um, so, yeah, look out for stuff and things. Basically, we're talking about some entertainment stuff, and then we're talking about some Bond stuff. Good old entertainment yeah. news. There's been a lot of entertainment news this week. I just... I, yeah, is it, is it entertaining it or is it just some of it is disturbing? But it is entertainment, I guess. A bit of, bit of everything, really. I, I mean, we got some Although movie news, in, we've got some in set say, news. I was going to say, in saying that, it's not as disturbing as the week that we covered um, the cannibal actor whose name I can't remember now. No, that's Army Hammer. Army Hammer, yeah. <laughs> that's next level <laughs> kind of uh, I, entertainment I, news. I just That's think just going down the rabbit hole there. I think about that segment sometimes and how at the end of it, Phil was just like, "Okay, then," and then turned off the recording, and that was it. And we we're yep. just like, "We're not going to talk well, anymore." Because we what, can't. The fu- <laughs> what was there meant? What like what? Uh, just strange, strange, strange. But no, this week's entertainment news has been. Uh, I, I can't remember if we covered it off last week, but obviously there was. Um, Things like, I don't know, a shooting on set and um, we've had exciting things for, for myself, which was um, Uncharted, um, some Spider-Man stuff and uh, yeah, other stuff like that and stuff. And now we've just had something else come out. Should we, let's let's just get into it. Shall we get into it? Um, yeah, let's, Drew, let's get wanna, into it. Where, where should uh, we start? I, I do want to start with Uncharted. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm prefacing early, nice and early. Bianca hasn't watched this trailer and she has no intention of it. So we will proceed with caution. Um, In saying that, I've seen photos of the cast and the, like, sets and behind the scenes. It looks amazing. I will be the first to say that I'm extremely surprised by how well they they seem to have the feel of the games in the movie. Because, you know, sometimes, like, when they adapt games to movies, it just mm-hmm. is shit as. I, I'm mm. genuinely surprised how well that they've done that, the adapta- uh, adapting. But um, yep. I, I haven't watched the trailer because I just don't want to know what the plot is. And that's, that's my main thing about trailers. I don't watch trailers because basically they sell the plot and... Yep. Too many movies do that nowadays with yep. trailers. Too many movies. And we've spoken about that before, that trailers do do that now. They they do ruin plots. Yeah, they um, spell it all out for you. Exactly. But look, um, before you get to your thing, Drew, um, yep. I gave Bianca the advice um, as well because I did watch the trailer because I, I had to know whether or not I should be excited for this movie. And I've come down on the side of... Because I'm a massive fan of the games. Um, Uncharted mm. Drake's Fortune, which was the first Uncharted game, um, was the first game I owned with my PlayStation 3. Um, wow. The second game was an absolutely stellar game. The third one was phenomenal. Um, and then the fourth one blew the socks off all of us. So, um, look, I, I, 
uh, I have a lot invested in it because I've been waiting for this movie for such a long time too. I've always been mm. so afraid of video game to movie adaptations. Um, and, and so, so. Well, I mean, look, even the most recent sort of adaptations like Assassin's Creed were just appallingly terrible. So, um, uh, yeah, I did. And it was oh, terrible. Dear. So I, I've got a lot riding on this because I love that franchise so very much. Um, mm. And my casting of Drake isn't what I would have done, but I can see why they did it. My casting of Sully isn't what I would have done, but I can see why they did it. <coughs> um, but I am, I've fallen down on the side of excited. I, I, I can't wait for this one. Um, it's out the same weekend as Bianca and I's birthday, and Woo! I am mm-hmm. so so keen for it. Um, I think we're all going to be uh, taking leave that weekend. Mm. In saying that, um, Arthur and Justin have offered me politely to take me out for my birthday to see it, but you guys are more than welcome. Because they are, they're the ones that got me hooked onto the game, actually. We used to, mm-hmm. every week, have a gaming night at my uncle's house, um, and we, that's what we'd play, and we all we were all quite patient with the story to try and get through it. So, yeah. I love it. I, again, I... I um... I want to go and replay them now, right now, talking about it because I'm just so excited about the world that that that's there. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what this what the movie's like again. Seeing the trailer, um, I, I'm not sure what the story is, but um, I won't say much more than that. All, go on, all I know about the story is it's not any of the stories from the game. It is a prequel story, and I know that Elena is in it. Who Elena is one of my favorite characters. Wait, Elena. is it Elena? Yeah, is it Elena the the spa- Elena? Yeah. yeah the, the, well, well, yeah. No, I look. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm excited by some of the names they dropped, um, and I'm excited by, yeah. I've got questions, obviously, um, but I won't discuss them because I need to see it. But yeah, it does seem like it's a prequel. Um, which is what they said all along. They wanted to cast a younger actor as Drake, so that way they could, um, you know, have the series go on a little bit longer. Apparently, so we'll see. Let's see. Let's see if that's the plan or not. Let's see what happens. Drew, do you have any thoughts on it? I've played the least out of out of all of us, but I've played a good chunk of the first game, and the mm-hmm. thing that always caught my eye with it is the story, the characters. I I just, I, I always feel right at home when I'm playing it. I just, for whatever reason, I always pick the worst times to try and get into it when my brain just isn't 100% there and I would mm. love to go through and just power through all of them. I have all of them. They're all sitting on the shelf ready to go. Uh, as, as a movie nut that watched that trailer, I felt very comfortable in that world from from the little bit i saw i thought Mm. that um i thought there was a lot of care and a lot of careful planning in what was shown and in in the construction of it all nothing felt like it was um out there trying to pander to anyone or to try and be the biggest thing on the screen it, it didn't feel like a like a Michael Bay style mm. explosion onto the screen. It just well, seemed really fun. It felt like National Treasure on steroids. <laughs> well, what I liked about it was that it it, uh, it looked to me from the trailer alone, and trailers can be deceiving, especially when they don't give much away. Of course, um, 
it looked like Sony are trying to give a shit about this mm. because they don't want this to fail mm. because they know that they've got a cash cow here and if they fuck it up, they ruin it. It's a bit like Assassin's Creed. Everyone was like, oh, here we go. Like, wonder what this is going to be like. And, 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 and Ubisoft were like, we need this to go well so that way we can... See, you know, milk it for all it's worth. And then it's we haven't got a second one because the movie was so fucking see that, terribly received. That also spooks me because I know Michael Fassbender worked mm. his ass off to try and make that thing good. Uh, but and but a, can I a, tell you, no, the, the, the problem with Assassin's Creed, mm. and that's what I am slightly worried about here, Assassin's Creed didn't need to be adapted with different characters and different... Just do the characters that we've got. There was already thousands of Assassin's Creed characters at that point that you could have followed Mm. any single one of their story. Mm. But what they did, which was quite annoying, was rather than use any of those characters, was they created a completely new hero who none of us Mm. knew and transplanted a lot of what we already knew from the games into this and changed the history of it. It wasn't that great. Like, you couldn't... It, it didn't translate well because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you can see what they were trying to do. They were trying to not alienate any one fan, but instead they alienated all of them yeah. in one go. And, and I feel like with, again, based on the trailer of this alone... Um, it feels like that's not happening so much. I know that people are probably going to be disappointed or annoyed with some of the things that we may have seen, but I'm not, and I'm such a massive fan, and I do not want this to be fucked up. Even though this is a story that's not in the game, it's not any of the prequel stories we've seen, which genuinely they could have just done... um, They could have gotten someone really young and done how... Well, Sully and uh, Drake met and done something like that, and that way they could yeah, have gotten we, a kids' audience as well. Like they could have done something else, and it still be of, fine. Yeah, there's a lot of years in the between that we can see. Yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of years before. Yeah, there's a lot of prequel years that we they could have done, hmm. but the fact that they did it the way they did it, and it's still to me, feels like it's a part of the game. I think mm. that's going to be yeah. okay. Like, just just the look of it feels like it could be an Uncharted game. And I swear yeah. to God, if we get another Uncharted game out of this, I'd be even happier. <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to be exciting when we um, when we go ahead and review it um, mm. come February. That's yes. going to be... Because guaranteed, we're going to look back on what we've said here and... Um, See how Have it some thoughts up. and opinions. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as now, we do. Yes. Now, speaking of thoughts and opinions, I am going to jump to um, mm-hmm. another bit of entertainment news that hit us today. We got the first trailer for the Lightyear movie. Now, Philip, I know it's a sensitive mm-hmm. topic. Um, did you watch it? No. Okay. Um, uh, look, not not because I didn't want to, it's because I couldn't find it. Literally, that's it. I didn't have oh, time to find okay. it. Okay. Um, All good. Uh, look, I don't know how I feel about this still. I think yep. it's a bit crappy and stupid. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, definitely sponging off of a franchise that they've already basically sucked most of the life out of. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't know how I feel about it. Um, good luck to Chris Evans 
don't think he'll do a great job. Um, others may disagree. I don't think he'll do a good job. Yep. Um, I oddly think he might. I I I don't. If it's, I don't so like, I just quick. So yeah. just quickly, this 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 movie is. It's. It, I can't fully remember what it is. Is it a? Is it the real story of the guy that the, the toy is Buzz based Lightyear on? Toys out? Or is Buzz Lightyear a TV character that they've then made a toy of? No, this is the real the real space ranger that the toy is based on. Then it shouldn't be animated in a different way to the to the, to the movies. Um, the fact that it's animated in a completely different way means that the people that are in Toy Story aren't the real people, aren't real people because it's animated differently. If this guy's meant to be a real guy, so it doesn't make sense. They're doing something different for the sake of it. Just do something different. It's actually it doesn't not make all that... sense. And in fact, you're again. T- it is looks different, so you're taking away from it, then Toy Story it, again. It looks closer to Toy Story 4's renderings, so it's because Pixar rendering has evolved. It actually looks closer to Toy Story 4's renderings of the characters. So, in this universe that we're about to watch, toys come alive. Apparently, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to concentrate on anything in this movie without thinking. What are those toys thinking? If there's yeah. any toys in this whatsoever, oh no, I'm going to be well, not in just that inanimate objects. <laughs> inanimate objects. <laughs> I just Forky came to life. Yeah. Oh no! Don't. Hang on. Are you referencing the movie you don't like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it serves its purpose it... now. <laughs> no, because it exists. No, and but... I hate that it exists, but it exists. <laughs> But here's my thing. Now that now they need to either explain this or they need to explain how they get to a toy that actually has adventures on its own. Like, you need to connect this up now for me because I thought it was going to be the origin story, like, of the character we see in um, Buzz Lightyear, the TV show, which still is one of my favourite TV shows. I hope it is that. Um, if it's that, I understand it because then it's, you know... Yeah. It's, it's weird, it- but it's... There is a character inside of a fictional universe and we are watching Mm. the character's story. It's like a comic book within a comic book, which has happened before and that's fine. Who knows? It could wind up being that. Um, I watched the trailer and I I didn't hate it. I I still think the whole thing's unnecessary, completely unnecessary. I Um, have something great to say about the trailer because I watched it and I watched it because I just don't care about it enough to want not want it spoiled. But it wasn't spoiled for me. I have no idea what's going on from that trailer and it's a perfect trailer. It shows the feel of the movie, which is weird because it's a very artsy. It feels like something like The Martian, I was saying. It genuinely has this weird uh, Martian vibe. It it reminded me of Forbidden Planet. Which a very very old science fiction film with Leslie Nielsen. Uh, just uh, I can also tell from this trailer that it's about an astronaut, probably on his first mission. Kind yeah. of you get kind of get those vibes, but then you don't really oh get. God, you, it's going to spark sequels. A hundred percent. This movie is designed for a sequel. But yeah. anyway, well, I, when are they going to give us give us Wood, the Woody's Roundup TV show as a full series? Then I don't know. That would be nice to do, Actually, I'd just be happy if Disney Plus added the Buzz Lightyear TV series to its catalogue. Yes, me too. I'd be so happy with that. I love the Buzz Lightyear TV series. I'd like to watch it again. 
the one thing I was kind of hoping we'd see in that trailer, I want to see what they, or how they show Emperor Zerg, because surely Zerg is real in this film, right? I would hope so. Come on. I, I want to see something where, now that Disney owns Lucasfilm, I want to see a Zerg that looks just that little bit closer to Darth Vader. <laughs> Without it, the being problem famous. is though. The problem is though that that again, what becomes canon? Because if Zerg is yeah. real, are they saying that in this universe as well that there is confirmed, and, like, and is Zerg monster really robots? his father? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, oh my god. Okay, now I'm now I need to watch this trailer because what the fuck? Um, <laughs> so I want to be involved in this. Here. There is, um, but you don't see of unpack, any of that. No, I know that I know you don't, but I want to get get on this so that way I can be ready to see that and be like, "What the fuck?" Yep. Um, talking about unpack, yeah. There's a new. Um, sorry to, to if you had more to say on that, but no, there's no. a new Tiger King. There's a new second series. <laughs> it's coming. What on earth is going on? A- apparently, they had a heap of unused footage, and they've shot more. And the best part is that this second version is also like a documentary about their lives and how they were changed by the first series. Apparently, yeah, I know yeah. Carol Baskin's come out and slammed it. Oh, apparently, ap- apparently Carol Baskin slammed parts of it because they're, I, I know that their teaser trailer for well, this season- for her to kill this time. Well, that was the thing. The teaser trailer <laughs> for this season alluded to the fact that she killed her husband- and I don't know if she's in this season or not. Well, the truth um, hurts. She was all over that trailer. <laughs> well, but she she slammed the teaser, basically. So I haven't watched the trailer yet. Um, I don't know if I want to, because I, re- I really am interested, but I don't want spoilers. If you do, just try to listen carefully, because there's a lot of audio recordings of Joe from over the phone from the prison, and it's kind of hard to understand him in some parts. Basically, just him whinging about how he's taking the mm. fall in prison so that the rest of them can all live high off the hog thanks to the first season. That's- oh, it's a good one. Look, this it's a, look, it's it <laughs> you looks can't mental. plan someone's murder and then not expect to be thrown into jail. Likewise, no, but he did. Likewise, if Carol Baskin did kill her husband, she should probably be in there with him. I feel like oh, that yeah. would be yeah. the great ending for this. Yeah. Like <laughs> make them cellmates. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Imagine that. Oh. Jesus Christ. Um yeah, look it looks looks pretty exciting. Um I I don't think I'm as excited about it as I am as I was for the first one cuz I'm just like all these people are fucking dead shits and this is just a yeah. disaster, but I but bring it on. I'll watch it anyway. Um and just before we run out of time, um any news, any other news Drew? Uh quickly chucking um Oh god, I don't know. Um Alec Baldwin, let's let's briefly bring this up. Um, Alec Baldwin and the Rust shooting. Yes. Yeah. And we're not saying that he shot some Rust. He was on the set of his film Rust, and he killed the director of photography. Yep. So uh, the director of photography, Hala... Uh, oh, my God, I'm gonna re- not going to be able to pronounce her last name. Hala... It's Hutchins, Hutchins right? Hala- Hutchins. No, it's her first name's Helena. 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 Yeah. Um, <clears throat> she Helena uh, died when she died when um, 
Alec Baldwin fired a gun that had been loaded. Um, with live not, ammunition, with, not with blanks. live. Yep, he was not aware it had been loaded. Um, the gunfire shot Helena and also fired on his the assistant director. I think it was. Um, yes. I thought they he, hit the director. Oh, the director. Yeah. Um, no, the director was injured. The yep. assistant director was also injured. I think. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. Yeah. Um, they survived. Helena passed away tragically. It was the first accidental shooting on any um, set since Bru- uh, Bruce Lee's son, uh, Brandon Lee, back yep, 30 years crow, ago. 1994. Um, it has called for reform, gun reform in movies, because at this point in time, we can CGI in guns. Um, yep. But also, but but just why the fuck was there, why is there live ammunition on a a film set like what's the point well i actually can't tell you that um it's not standard practice it, it, so live ammunition can be used on set but it's usually what's used by the stunt guys mm. so if mm. you're doing a scene where i don't know say you want to get like a shot through um a, a glass bottle or something or you you need to shoot What's those um, things that you throw throw up in the air? Do you know, like, they shoot plates in the air, the, the British? You yeah, can, yeah. Clay, yeah, that's the one. You can shoot all of those things and do all those things on set. Um, you don't have to CGI it if you get professional shooters in. That's usually the only time I hear of ammunition being used on set. And when it is used on set, it's a very different um, set basically, because you have stunt people... It's a people, set, would it not be? Um, not necessarily, but it's heavily... It, it, yes, it can be a close set, but it is usually heavily... Uh, like, there's there's ambulance on standby, paramedics on standby, EMT on standby, whichever one. Um, then there's yeah. uh, actual professionals. The safety security is upped because, you know knock on wood, someone might go crazy and start shooting up the place. You have live ammunition for them to do that. Um, there, there's, It's a different set. Hmm. Alec Baldwin is not a c- actor who has been in multiple movies where he's used guns. There are actors... So it, it was really interesting, this whole thing, because the literally two days before this happened, so it happened on Monday and this was on the Saturday... On the Saturday, Jensen Ackles was at um, one of the Supernatural conventions. Even though the show's finished, he still – this is the first convention after the show's been finished and they're still going to some of them, not all of them, but some of them. So him and Jared did a, a panel together and I happened to watch it live. And one of the things that they spoke about was Jensen was really excited to be on this, new, on this movie set because he's always wanted to be in a cowboy movie. Um, and he went and spoke to the ammunitions lady and got his gun and they did all the testing for him and they explained the testing procedure and the testing procedure sounded fine from what he said, because what it generally is, is the person will ask you, have you ever used a gun before? And then we'll walk you through all the steps. Then we'll get you to shoot off a couple of test rounds, pointing it at something else. See how well, cause the, the blanks still have, um, redraw. 
was it redraw? Am I thinking of recoil? Recoil. Um, yeah. Yeah. Blanks still have recoil, so they get you to test some shots and blah blah blah. And the, it sounded fairly right. And um, he was talking about it because he has a lot of gun experience on this from Supernatural. Then on Monday, this happened, and I think a lot of places, like a lot of E News and all that used the clip of him talking um, and went with that for, you know, let's use this and let's um, try and talk about this as a discussion point. And, yeah, so it was quite interesting that he just happened to be speaking about it. But mm. then all of this uh, – but then on Tuesday or Wednesday, I think it was, all this stuff came out that the lady who was in the props department was a bit – shitty at her job um, mm. and that she'd had issues before but I kind of dismissed it because the way that they were proving it was they were using stuff from her TikTok where she was just like acting a bit stupid with her friends and they were like oh this is the lady in charge of the guns department the props department mm. and I was like that's that's slack like mm. that's just her personal life kind of thing whatever why are you doing that yeah. um but, yeah, like I, Sarah mentioned before we went on air and then I was looking it up just before, there was a lot of problems on set apparently with people striking and people doing things and, um, like, the crew were said that it was all mismanaged, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, no, it's a really interesting case just because I, 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 I we don't know what happened because it hasn't really been re released but if all the stuff about the strike is true and the mismanagement is true and the fact that there was live ammunition and it was handed to Alec Baldwin, mm. that doesn't seem, that really doesn't seem right because that is not proper procedure. Mm. Yep. Oh, dear. Well, let's see what happens because it's uh, it's wild. Uh, and as, as a producer on the set, Baldwin may be in trouble after all. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, let's see what happens. But anyway, that's that's entertainment, I guess. Um, yeah, we'll be back after this with um, with Bond. Yep. Looking for the perfect spooky treat? We invite you to try a tub of Hallow Scream ice cream, ghostly white vanilla. Mixed with blood red strawberry, you'll find there's no escaping the treats of Hallow Scream ice cream. And now it's time for what the quote, and who has last week's quote? Uh, Drew? To die will be an awfully big adventure. Yes, and of course, that quote comes from J.M. Barry and Peter Pan. And, um, Phil, you also have this week's quote. I do. It goes like this. And the stars look very different today. And, of course, if you do know where that quote is from, please reach out to us on any of the social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know the drill. Anyway, on with the show. And we're back. And back for almost the end of bond can you guys believe this no i can't i was actually thinking about that today i'm like i can't believe after this do we have like two more episodes two, two. two more episodes yeah. two more movies two. and then yeah. it's the big one mm. yeah and then 
I do believe that our next big marathon will be the Hunger Games. Yeah, that's which the is yeah. not really a very big marathon. <laughs> well, yeah, so we'll do the Hunger Games in one week, I think it is, because it lines up with the anniversary of the last film or the first film. I can't remember. We do have a reason for it. But, um, yes. yeah, no, so we, we'll do the Hunger Games, but then we'll do, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys. I've been enjoying having this as a, a permanent segment, so I'm pretty keen to find something else that we could do. Mm. No, I agree. I have very much enjoyed it. Um, I thought, thought it was a lot of fun. I can't believe we've only got two more um, Bond films to go, and then, then yeah, we're at, we're at the, well, the al- newest one. Almost, almost two more. We've still got to get through these ones. So, can, we, can, we, can I just have a request, and whatever we do next, can it be a movie series that I can pay attention to? Yes. Yay. Yes, of course. Of course. That's all I ask. Because, I mean, this one I... Okay, Casino Royale, <laughs> I was not in the mood to watch a movie when I was watching this um, the other night. Yep. yep. And I was just like, oh, why? I'm like, I don't want to watch anything. I just want to go to bed. <laughs> I was like, fine, I'll watch it and I'll be on my phone. I think I was on my phone for a grand total of five minutes throughout that movie. And one of it was just to tell my mom, can I please talk to you later? I forgot I genuinely liked Casino Royale when it came out, and I did see it twice. Um, wow. I Casino okay. Royale, it's a brilliant movie. Casino Royale is absolutely yeah. su- superb. And, and, and I've, I, you know, we'll get to it a little bit later on, but Quantum of Solace, I much enjoyed it so much more than I, I thought I would, um, seeing it yeah. again. I haven't seen it for a long Go time. figure. And I very much enjoyed it again. Um, Drew, do you have the synopsis of Casino Royale? I do indeed. <laughs> Big breath. <laughs> Took too big a breath. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't work well. Okay. Yep. (laughs) I'm composed. (laughs) Go on. No, you're not. After earning 00 status and a license to kill, secret agent James Bond sets out on his first mission as 007. Bond must defeat a private banker funding terrorists in a high-stakes game of poker at Casino Royale Montenegro. I did it. <laughs> you did it. Well done. Well done. Um, Can I first, just say, yes. this is a great way, this is a beautiful way to reboot a series. Because I agree. It is. The Bond series as we have seen it before, by, so far, and we can say this because we've actually watched every single movie now. Yep. Um, well, I haven't watched the next two, but anyway, you know what I'm at point. Um, yep. The Bond series is a great thing of we watch it and the reason why we like it is because of nostalgia, not because it's good. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it has the, the spy genre of film since... Bond first started has completely changed. Spy yep. and espionage dramas that we know now are nothing like what they were in the 60s. Like in the 60s, it was all about the flash and about the, oh, you're a spy, it's something sort of thing. No, no, no. You just see the opening. Not Forget about the black and white opening scene. The next scene after the credits where yeah. Bond is running and chasing this guy over like rooftops and he gets mm. gritty and dirty and he's just ruthless you watch that and you're like this is a spy this is an action spy film and you're like 
wow. And and you realise how different it is from the old series. It's a perfect thing to reboot because they actually did reboot it into something better. And mm. the fact that he just gets his double O status and this is his origins and the beginning, ah, oh, I love it. I loved it so well, much. What I what I also love, it, it, we because we didn't know this was where they were heading. We didn't know this is where it was going to be, but um, it it becomes a series. Like it's not just a franchise; it's a series. And and we weren't aware that we're about to have. Yeah, this is an origin story and then into different missions and almost a continuation of the same guy with the same history. We saw little bits of that um, through previous ones, but this one is such an example of that, of genuine continuing a uh, continuation of story. Um, and and uh, where they started it from is such an origin and, and it is such a... Uh, it, it's a total reboot. There is no more campy. There's no more crappy jokes. There's no more talking to himself. Um, in fact, the only time he talks to himself is in the the, the black and white opening, where he, you know, the, he finishes the other guy's sentence essentially after he kills him. Um, but but that's in black and white too. So I feel yes. like it, that that part of the film was such a great way to start it because it's it is this like noir you know, throwback, even some of the way that they've shot the scenes, you can kind of tell that this looks like it's supposed to be set in another era, um, but it's the modern day. And then mm. he finishes that sentence and he is this campy, you know, spy that we see, that we're expecting to see for like half a second. But in that scene alone, we've already seen him like be a hundred times better of a spy than mm. he ever was in any of the well, other films. Well, and also, I mean, again, it, because it's a, 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 a like a reboot, it's an introduction, it's an origin story, he's rough around the edges, um, and, and you kind of go, is he going to wear that away? Is that going to kind of disappear and we're going to end up with a, you know, Pierce Brosnan-style Bond? No. His character is like that. It is rough around the edges. Um, it gets the job done in a more realistic way in that there's a little bit of... Um, personality in there and we only kind of saw that with um um the world is not enough that was the the probably the one time where there was some actual proper emotion um and frustration from bond in doing something and now that's what every interaction is it's the realistic kind of where'd he go where is he i've got to follow him i'm going to punch the shit out of this guy oi why'd you do that everything it's just such a it's so much more realistic in in terms of the reaction that we get everything is a everything is a genuine interaction if that makes sense yeah no i yeah. know what you're saying but i can i we, yeah go. i just wanted to say can, can we talk about the fact that um that he acknowledges that he's the worst spy in the world by rocking up to the casino and going oh the name's Bond, but you'll find it under such and such. Oh, but it's such a it's see, such a, like see a, that a, a, scene. It's a joke I, at the previous kind of why yeah. the fuck would everyone know who? Like, yeah, yeah, I love yeah. it. But I even <laughs> like that scene because it explains why he does it in this case. It's a send yeah. up of the fact that you know he always uses his name. Everyone knows who who he is. But mm. he even says, "What's the point?" You know. He's yeah. or he if if he is who we think he is, he already has enough connections to know who, who I are. am. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah the way he explains it, and I'm like, that's they, the perfect way to explain it because, yeah, and, and, and I love the fact that now, rather than the fact that you know, if we go back and well, when we went back and watched the old ones, we're like, oh my god, he's so arrogant and sexist and masochist. No, mm. that's now a part of his character in this one, but it's done yeah. in a way that. You know, despite all that, he's still good at his job. He was never mm. good at his job before. Like, if you go back and, like, well, no, mm. we're not going back and watching. I keep saying that, but in the old We're films, not going back. We're not, we're not going back. <laughs> you guys can go back out home. You guys can go back and watch it. We're not doing this again. But, no. <laughs> uh, God, no. Um, it's now, pl- the fact that he's a good spy now redeems all of that and the fact that he's rough around the edges is it's now his arrogance and his misogyny he, he is still a bit misogynistic like let's be real but he yeah. it, it's now a part of his character of he's aloof and he's a bit of a dick but we let that go because he's a good spy that's yeah what I was trying to and, get to. and and i love the fact that he's kept honest with that that the only person only people that seem to be able to keep him um honest or keep him kind of in check is M to some degree. I love the relationship between those two. But then also, um, even with Vesper, like the the way Vesper says, take the next lift, there's not enough, you know, room in here for your ego. Like she's challenging him straight away and, and the, mm. the, the the conversations they have, we're finally seeing a proper punchy bond girl is equal to bond, which we haven't yeah. had before. Like we are actually seeing it's so refreshing to see genuinely and you can equal. feel the partnership in it. Yeah, it's totally equal. But also, the world of spy and the world of death and everything isn't her game, isn't what she's used to. So when she gets kind of shocked by it or rattled by it, um, it makes sense because that's not... She's a treasurer. It's not her job to, to see death and everything. So, you know, there's, no. the, there's the part where she's um, totally rattled and the wine glass is broken and she's in the shower in shock, you know, in her clothes mm. and the water's on her. It's because she's in total shock. She's not what I weak. love about that scene in particular is right beforehand, you see how Bond deals with it. Bond is equally as rattled, which I actually mm-hmm. appreciate. Yeah. After that yeah. fight, he is rattled. He goes into the bathroom. You can see he's, like, not doing well because at, at some point you got to realise he probably almost lost his life there. Like, that, that fight was mm. crazy. Yeah, mm. he sits and just takes a breath. <laughs> And also, I love how that fight was choreographed because mm. it wasn't done like it, he he fights in this movie, but he's not an excellent fighter. He's just, he's just a good strong. brawler. Yeah. yeah, he's strong, and he's rattled. He goes and he clears he clears himself up. He goes back to the poker game, has a steady face. Like he goes back to go win that. Um, and then whilst he does like. He's he's fine because he's a spy, but and he gets over it in the moment, and then you see how dramatically different she takes it, and it's like whoa, like it's just well, this he, great juxtaposition, I think. But also when when there's the whole um, <coughs> he gets poisoned and then and he has to go and like use the um, the defibrillator, yeah, well, all of that that whole scene and like in the previous ones, him recovering from that and getting back to normal. In fact, he wouldn't have gotten to the stage of the defibrillator. He would just needed to have the salt and throw up and he'd been back there like hmm almost killed yeah. me and said the line in this one we saw it go further we saw him essentially mm. have his heart stop and then everyone was like what the fuck are you doing get to a hospital and he was like no no 
and everyone else was horrified by it. Like it, it rightly so. You're not just going to get up and walk back in. And the fact that you did that, everyone was caught off guard and and, and just shocked by that. Yeah, I, I just loved it. I, I really, really appreciated it. Um, this movie um, has such good detail and depth. Just a couple of notes I wrote while I was watching this movie. Um, yeah. From the opening, we can see that this is a new Bond. Just yeah, my name. In the, mm. Well, not just that they the 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 opening sequence, the music sequence. Mm-hmm. There's no more women in this one. Like the, in the, mm-hmm. if you guys, I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the opening sequence, mm. there are very few women. I don't think there's anyone. There's in one. This one. There's one when you see Vespa's pay, uh, face on the Queen of Hearts or Hearts. They, yep. Yeah, that's it. And there's the no hearts, like thing. Yep, and it was done intentionally. Yep. And also throughout the opening, it's him fighting. Mm-hmm. Like he's not sitting there chugging back uh, martinis or anything. Mm. He's fighting, same, and he's getting. It's the same. Crazy. It's the same reason the Bond theme's not used in the film because he's not the Bond we know yet. Yeah, that's why they didn't do it. It was all very carefully planned out. Then Martin um, Campbell has left his mark on Bond history by being the best. He, he's introduced two Bonds, and I think they're the two best introductions of Bonds ever, which is Pierce Brosnan and now Daniel Craig. I'd, I'd argue he is the best Bond director. Full stop. Mm. I, yeah, he's done at a good least job. for now. For now, I, I mean, like, I think Sam Mendes does great with Skyfall and Spectre, but this uh, is just something else. And I also wrote, I go, he, Bond has done something very clever. He's taken the bullets out of the gun, something we've never seen him before. Mm. Um, he leaves the, he also, another thing we haven't seen, he leaves the woman and follows the mission Yeah. Yes. at the beginning. Um, yeah. and, and she dies and he's visibly shaken by the fact that he, she is tortured because mm. of what he's done. I'm caught up in it. And which before, how many Bond women have died because of him? And he's just like, yep. Uh, he's like on to the next. He also, then, cl- he also clearly falls in love with someone, which even though he gets married in... Uh, oh, on, on Her Majesty's Secret, Secret Service. Service. We still... This is the first time we even see a little bit more heart than that. Mm. Um, and then my next note is, how weird would it be if you had been a Bond fan and then you died and you donated your body to the Body World Museum and now you're technically yes, in a Bond movie? you're in a Bond... Imagine that. Um... My notes I had here still holds up. Um, so unlike the other Bonds, which aged appallingly, I know this one is only 14 years old or so, 15 years. 15, um, 15. It still holds up. Despite the phones, it could could have come out last week. Um, oh, my God, the product thing. placement, though. Sony Ericsson. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, and it's made Sayo at the end. Yeah. Um, I said the espionage is so genuine here. You don't know who's playing who, and it's true. There is so much more depth to this than just being someone going up uh, and playing a game of um, poker. There is so many different depths, and, you know, the CIA and who's Mr. White work for and all that sort of stuff. Like, who is everyone working for? Um, again, we see some genuine responses of fear and, and, and heart and, and care and uh, brilliant. Mm. Um, the humor is a little bit more witty and less dad jokey um, and less campy. Um, I said it definitely feels like a proper reboot um, and we get probably the most complex story um, in terms of who's do- double crossing who and, and I mean that in for all the other James Bond films this one probably has the most it doesn't necessarily have the most um, complicated story or, or, or um, the most kind of length to the story 
as in where we have to go and do this, that, this, that, and the other, but there's probably the most depth and complexity to it. I think you hit the nail on, on the head there with the complexity, because mm. I think Daniel Craig gives us the most complex bond. Mm. I, I, I also have to add to that with the complexity, uh, and also the fact that this isn't really a spy mission. James Bond is known being a gambler and a drinker and all that. And if this was, I, I, I try to think of if this movie had come out in Sean Connery's era, Bond would have just stumbled across this mm. poker game and somehow uncovered you know, a plot to destroy the world. But no, all this was, was they knew that there was a poker game being played because of, um, he followed the original mission to see what he'd done wrong because he had fucked up the original mission by killing mm. the guy. He followed the original mission to find out who was um, in charge of this guy and doing the money. He followed the money to the airport, stopped a terrorist act, and then he got to follow them. Then he had to stop more terrorist acts by stopping mm. the money from getting it. So he got to use his gambling to win something and to yeah. try and stop funding terrorism. It, it mm. worked out as this even felt like this could have it felt like too many missions smashed together but that's that's a movie that's where you mm. you know you suspend your disbelief there's too many things happening in this movie normally mm. this would have gone over three years or something um that's yeah. me in my procedural dramas I'm used yeah. to that but this yeah. worked out yeah drew do you have any um trivia for us before we get to our scores I do I have a few interesting bits and pieces here um First one being, I really want to talk about that shower scene because I'd, I've always thought it was one of the most powerful mm-hmm. scenes in any Bond film. And interestingly enough, doing a bit of research on it, I found out that for that shower scene, Vespa was originally scripted to be wearing nothing but her underwear. But then Daniel Craig argued that Vespa would not have actually stopped to take her clothes off. Yeah, considering so the she scene broke the was glass. changed. Considering the glass was broken, then yeah. She, yeah, absolutely, she wouldn't have stopped to do that. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, on that. top of that, on top of that, that scene was shot in one take. Brilliant. Perfect. That's that just, was a really nice scene. Yeah, that's just awesome. Um, now, I can't talk about trivia for this movie without talking about the car barrel stunt. Mm-hmm. Because that is just nothing short of phenomenal. Um, first of all, in one afternoon's shooting, three Aston Martin DB9s, each valued at $300,000, were destroyed for that sequence. Just wrap your head around that sad fact. Now, here's the coolest part of this. It broke the world record for most barrel rolls assisted by a cannon. Originally, the racing specifications of the DBS meant that a standard ramp would not be sufficient to get the car to roll, so the special effects team were called in to install an air-powered cannon behind the driver's seat. This allowed the car to complete seven full rolls. The stunt was then officially entered into the Guinness Book of World Records on November 5th, 2006. It's a brilliant scene. It's a brilliant scene. Uh, Again, it's that total fear of, oh, shit, she's on the road. And you just, yeah. The movie's just so perfect. I wouldn't change anything in this entire movie. Yeah. Including including my favorite cameo, which I 
I've never ever stumped you two on movie, on movie um, trivia before. No, so you I'm got really us. Mm-hmm. Of the fact that I was just like, oh yeah, and Richard Branson's cameo, and you two were like, what? Yeah, and I'm like, what? When? <laughs> what? <laughs> so Richard Branson has a cameo in this film. For those of you guys who don't know, and for anyone else who is mystic, so it is literally a blink and you miss it scene. Mm-hmm. Um, at airport security where he is standing next to the terrorist guy um, getting checked, which I find funny that... I'll never miss it through. now. I'll never miss it. No, but yeah, ever. It totally yeah. Got me. And, and in exchange, he uh, lent out his planes to be filmed in Prague. That was his only thing. He's like, yeah, you can yeah. take the planes, but I want to come here. Um, should we get to the scores? Yeah. Yep. Um, Bianca, you want to kick us off on the scores? I'm giving it nines all round. I don't want to give it a ten because yeah. I'm I'm scared that um, I'm gonna really like one of the next movies and then be like oh I shouldn't have given that a ten but yeah Bianca I also gave it nines all round um, personal nine technical nine it's a huge job to try and reboot it, the longest running film series in history to bring it into the present and deliver a stable future for the series and they absolutely did that they nailed the brief did a phenomenal job um. As is becoming more and more the case, I hate to break a set. I did give it nine and nine because rewatching, I, I was so excited when we started this thing to go back and and just mm. get to Casino Royale because it had been so long since I'd watched it, mm. and I found the sweetest thing when I opened the DVD case and. I found my movie ticket from 15 years ago from Thursday, 7th of December, 2006 for the 6.15 PM showing of Casino Royale. Brilliant. Sitting in the DVD case there. It had faded, but not enough that I couldn't read it. Um, yeah, it, it was, I, I still love this movie. I think it's a fantastic way to bring the series forward while also keeping its identity and maybe carving out a slightly better one Mm. for it. Also, I clean forgot that I used to own one of the phones that Sony felt like they had to show off in the film. The, um, the guy that he's, um, chasing after at the airport, that's going to try to blow up the plane has a Sony Ericsson K 800 I, which I believe I had about the same time that year. Yeah. Brilliant. Look at that. Just a random bit of my trivia for it. <laughs> Love it. But yeah, no, nine and nine um, all around. Perfect. Yeah. Let's get to uh, Quantum, the so- uh, Quantum of Solace now. James Bond descends into mystery as he tries to stop a mysterious organization from eliminating a country's most valuable resource. Um, yeah, I think that's actually a fairly straightforward way to sum up a very complicated plot. <laughs> Wait. Sorry. What? <laughs> no, I watched yeah. this one. I'm not saying that I did it, but that's what happened? <laughs> yeah. I, I Look, I've... I have spent the last, what, 13 years th- that this movie's been around calling it Casino Royale 1.5 because it's basically... Casino Royale is a complete movie, but then if you add Quantum of Solace, it's like adding that mm. extra third onto the movie. It's like the... The, the extra bit that just finishes off the story. Uh, it's- look, um, full disclosure, I, I um, saw this movie first weekend it was out in cinema and I then um, 
well, I quite liked it when I first saw it, but I didn't really get the story. When I've rewatched yep. it since, it's always been the one that I've struggled to get to the end of the most. Yep. Watching it this time, I enjoyed it so much more. Um, and I think it's because I watched it almost back to back with Casino Royale. Um, as and, you're meant to. Well, and, and as one of the, the, the cool notes that you've got here, Drew, says, um, as the first direct sequel, Daniel Craig commented, we felt we needed to tie up the loose ends from Casino Royale and make sure people realize we are making Bond movies. Um, or we are back making Bond movies. For me, it's about creating something that is going to stand alone. But if you put the two films together, you're going to have an incredible experience because you will see one continuous story. Um, mm. Look, yes, I, I really enjoyed it this time around. Um, I found this story probably the hardest of all Bond movies to follow along with. I did follow along with it, but I found it really difficult to do so because if you missed a single conversation, you're done. You're off. You've missed the boat. You are staying behind and you're watching that thing sail off into the sunset. You've, you, there's no way to come back and recover from it. Um, I will be honest that I mostly missed all the talk of quantum, which Drew, you explained to me, was basically a, an, an off-brand version of Spectre because they didn't have the rights to... Um, the term Spectre, but you can talk a little bit about that a little bit more. Um, yep. I, I missed most of that, and I basically followed it on as in they started with a little bit of a continuation from Casino Royale. Then they kind of got to the point where they are like, oh shit, we need to, like, we've finished that. We need to start making the new movie. And then they started telling a new story. And then at the very, very, very death of it, then they came back and went, oh shit, the, the Vesper story, we didn't finish that one. Let me get back to that. Um, so it was the end of Casino Royale, a shorter Bond movie, and then a little bit more of Casino Royale at the very, very, very end of it. So um, I think that it's it's a good story See, and it's probably got that's my... That's not the way I understood it though. Okay, go on. I, I understood it as... The it goes kind of back to the old Bond movies, in which he keeps unraveling a plot and finds it in the end. But I feel like what had happened was, well, but it, but it kind of worked because someone shot M. So the mm-hmm. fact that someone went after M at the right at the beginning, um, mm-hmm. after when they kidnapped the guy, there was a you know a guy Mr. who White. betrayed them. Yeah, Mister White. Um, one of their own agents betrayed them, all that stuff. He constantly pulled the thread and throughout the movie he came to terms with what he actually wanted to get out of this. He keeps denying in the beginning that he doesn't want revenge for Vespa, but I think after um, Thing died, Mathis. Mathis, yeah, Mathis. That's not his name, and then they dispose of him in a garbage bin. Which that whole sequence of events was very sad for me, but also so realistic. And I was like, oh. that was so sad. Mm. That I, I, that hit me so hard. The whole Mathis scene, Jesus Christ! Yeah, that, was that yeah. so hard. To, please don't leave me. Please stay with me. Oh my God, Mathis! And also, I feel like <sighs> Mathis is because because Mathis is the age of what Sean Connery would have been if you know if he had just been Bond all this time. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mathis is supposed to be an old retired spy, so he comes from that era. Mm. And I feel like Mathis is probably what Bond would have been eventually, or mm-hmm. what Bond will be eventually. That old guy who's living with a woman, a, a mm. young hot woman, and then, you know, goes out on one last ride. 
because um, he knows all these people. Because Bond makes a lot of friends along the way. Anyway, that's just what I was thinking when I was watching that. But after that whole thing, I feel like he eventually was like, yeah, I'm going to go take this revenge. And because the very first scene where they talk about uh, Vespa's ex-boyfriend, they're like, M says, you know, that's not his body that they found. Vespa thought she was avenging her lover, but mm. it was a fake. Yeah. Like, she was played. And I feel like that whole movie was him coming to terms with the fact that he did want revenge and then him figuring out how to get that revenge by figuring out what quantum was. Does that make sense? Because it was a whole deal. There's a lot going on in there. I get what you're saying, that a lot of things happen, but uh, the other thing about Bond not talking to himself anymore is that James Bond doesn't talk a lot anymore. Um, mm. which kind of works. No, we, well, mm. no, it doesn't kind of. It works, but it just means that we have to figure out the story a lot more, figure out what he's thinking a lot more than what we used to. Yeah, well, well we have a lot more, like, supporting characters and villains and stuff get to talk a lot more. They get to have their time on screen, like, themselves, whereas previous ones it was all about what does bond think about this and what does bond think about that and what's bond uncovering and how's bond viewing the story now it's these are all the moving pieces this is bond waiting his way through it let's see if he connects all the dots himself so we get to see will he make it work rather than we have no fucking idea what does bond think so we don't need james to say as much because everyone else is doing the talking and we're seeing the story from more over the top than just from behind, like in the third person of, of, of James Bond. So um, that that's cool. I get, look, what this movie did, which was my absolute favorite thing, one, it has my absolute favorite Bond song. Woo! It's absolute favorite Bond song. Um, it's, also got, it's also got my favorite Bond song graphics, which is a contentious issue, and I get it. Um, yes. Drew can explain that one. Um, <laughs> It's also the first one not to have the um, gun barrel at the start, which is now tradition now for the next two films. It's at the end. Um, mm. uh, so that's one thing that did. It's the first time a Bond doesn't ask for the way he wants the drink to be made. He doesn't say um, shaken, uh, shaken, not stirred. He says, do I look like I give a damn? Like He says that in the last one, but he does say it, I think it... Wait, was it Casino Royale was the first one? Casino Royale where he says, okay. do I look like I give yeah, a damn? Yeah, but was that but, the first movie where he didn't say the thing? Yeah, but what he did say is he actually broke down what the drink is, and he did it in both of these films, and he broke it down the same way Ian Fleming broke it down in the books. You know- what, the, the Vesper um, Martini... Yeah. yeah, that was the one thing. It is, it is called a Vespa Martini, and then Vespa was named after the Martini, and I like how yeah. they throw it back and they named the Martini. He named mm. the Martini Vespa. Um, yep. Yeah. But in saying that, I really clever. that was one thing that actually did annoy me in Quantum of Solace when they repeated the Martini recipe. I'm like, you did the gag in the last movie, like. Yeah. No, but but it made sense because he was reeling from it, and that's why he was like pissed up on the plane having it. That scene is the one and only time, or or at the very least the first time that we have ever seen Bond drunk in a scene. He was in any Bond you film. See him? He was like sitting there. Yeah. He was what five or six deep. Six deep. <laughs> <laughs> we have never seen that. That's that is a unique I, moment. I also have to say that goes with the whole thing of like we see Bond 
beaten Birthing. up, ravaged. We see, like, even yeah. it, he looks tough. After that scene where he's chasing the freaking thing in the airport and then he gets slammed onto the police thing in um, the last yes. movie, he looks so tired. I was just sitting there. I was like, get that man a drink. Like, mm. calm down, everyone. He he's just not, saved he's us. He's not superhuman anymore. He's yeah. just a fit human. Um, and and But, yeah, like, so, okay, so Quantum of Solace, though, it has probably my favorite cinemat- cinematography, my favorite art direction of all the Bond films. I love the um, the uh, you know all, all the establishing shots. I love the mm. the way that they um, you know the, when he was at the opera, um, we'd be seeing links between the opera and the the music from the opera, um, mm. and the the choreography and um, the um, synchronicity of the opera happening at the same time that we then flash over and get a little bit of the lingering audio of um the opera and seeing bond doing what he's doing and running through and having a fight in the kitchen and it's a mess and then we're seeing someone chopping something and then someone runs in behind and the camera picks up them instead like we're seeing we're just seeing so much more go on around rather than just the linearity of the the movie and like okay it's like a video game it's either either a linear game or it's a uh, like a, a sandbox game, and this is, feels so much more sandbox because we're seeing other things happening then at the same time as the action that we care about is happening. So we're seeing so much more picture without needing to be told. We're seeing so much more picture. I just really appreciate it. I thought it was really well done. Like even um, the boat chase early on in the movie, we saw. Um, other things going on in other boats and then the the you know footage from way 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 back and like things happening in the distance and then bond disappearing behind some other boats while on board with the the lead boat like we're just seeing so much more go go on we're not just focusing on just the action we're focusing on everything happening around the action too so i loved the way they did that and again all the establishing shot like see when we're in um was it siena sierra in italy yeah Um, at the start and we saw the horse race going on like we don't normally get establishing shots like that to show up what's happening at the same time that we're 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 dealing with with bond's story and so when we finally broke out of the the sewer system into that place and into the horse racing place we knew what was going on at that time we weren't just like where the fuck are we and what the hell's going on we'd already had that set up to us so we had we got to see like inside to what was happening and the setting so much sooner but again also the best bond uh what well, well, my top three one of my top three favorite bond um starts which is that car chase mm. and it's the best car chase in bond history i like how I, there's a lot yeah. of i feel like there's a lot of not send up but they do actually i, I don't think they're sending it up i just think i notice it because we've just done all the order there's mm. scenes where they kind of like when he jumps in the taxi um is it this one or the last one? But when he jumps in the taxi to follow... Um, the guy, that was the last the, one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. that's that classic Bond is in a taxi and the taxi driver knows who he is and, you know, mm. is going to drive him around and it's going to lead to a trap scene. Like, I just kept thinking about that. And no, they use all... that. That's the thing that I appreciate about both of these movies. They use mm. all of the kind of themes and kind of like things that we're expecting out of Bond films so far, but they actually make it effective. Um, Mm. That opera scene, by the way, was one of my favourite scenes in all of Bond film because Mm -hmm. I was watching it thinking, oh my god, he's going to fuck this up. 
when he starts talking. Like, why did he do it? He's just an arrogant piece of shit. Because sometimes he acts like an arrogant mm. piece of shit. And I love it. Like, I'm not... This is the one time where I'm like, I'm not mad about it. But then you see why he does it. And it's because it makes everyone stand up. Yeah. Because he, he everything has a purpose now. Yeah. that And that's yeah. that's the brilliant thing. It's Everything uh, he does is for a reason, despite how outlandish it seems. And now his outlandish behaviour that had been in previous films is used in this film, and this is back to the taxi thing. He's still outlandish mm. and he's still arrogant and everything, and it's just so effective and it works well, now. Well, and Bianca, we saw an element of that in, in the last one. So, like, it's that, that, that classic poker move of draw out someone's bluff by sacrificing something, and we saw that. Like, we saw him lose a hand early on in the poker game in Casino Royale because he was doing that. He was like, we drew out... Lashif's bluff we now know what to look for and he and 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 Matha said that like he said to Vespa no no now he knows the bluff he knows the tell um you know you have to fish that out by doing something arrogant or making yourself look silly you expose someone else's weakness or expose something or you're able to dig a little bit deeper um I also for the first time noticed that Mr. White was there I never noticed that Mr. White was in the was was part of yeah. that group at the um the opera. Yeah, I loved that, and that's and that's the last time we're going to see him for a little while. Yep, it is. Um, but also, then there's the whole second half of the movie where in the where when they're in Bolivia, um, mm. and you know it's all about quantum and stuff like that. But really, quantum gets barely a mention. They could have even gone through the whole movie without mentioning it. Um, it's just that the title of the movie wouldn't have fit. So they yeah. couldn't get the rights to say Spectre. So they still didn't own the rights because of the whole Thunderball fiasco. The Spectre rights went with Thunderball to the other guy. So they knew they wanted to to sort of do this thing and they just couldn't. So they went, okay, well, let's reinvent it for now and we'll call the the organization Quantum. Okay, cool. Which which then we'll we'll see how that develops in the next two well, yeah, two films from now. We'll we'll see how that goes when we get to Spectre. So the next but, two I have not seen. No, wait, have I seen one of them? I think I've seen Skyfall. Well, let's see. I don't know. I, I I I haven't seen one of them, but I have seen the other. I just don't remember. Uh, I find it sad that find it sad though that this is the last one before the GFC happens essentially, and we lose Bond for a long time. We we don't have him for a long time after that, and we come back with a. Uh, almost a, a sad, almost another soft reboot um, with with Skyfall because uh, I was enjoying where they were. I would like to have seen where they were heading from here and we got something that I feel like left what we're setting up from the last two behind. Next. So, so there is a massive time jump between now and the next one, isn't there? Yep. In In universe even. Yeah, so it goes from 2008 to 2012. Yeah, okay. So, and that's the why there's... An, I know that there's an aging Bond in the next one. Yeah. Or aged Bond. Yeah, but it's also within story to yeah. a degree. All I know... Yep. It, I know one of them references Tracy, so he clearly marries Tracy at some point. No. Yeah, yeah like, what? Don't, doesn't one no. of them refer, re- reference his wife who died? No. Well, let's see. I don't know. I don't think so, but let's see. Um, Drew, do you have any uh, other yep. quick facts for us? 
Yeah, I do. Um, look, I, I've always thought this film was problematic. I, I just have. Um, look, like you, I don't know what happened, but when I watched it tonight, I just went, oh my God, this is not bad. This is mm. all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it could well have been that I watched Casino Royale two days ago and I just went straight mm-hmm. back into it. But I know I've watched them literally one after the other before and I've not felt this good about this film. No, I've always um, always got bored or lost steam about halfway through it. So, yeah. I'm do, you just- yeah. do you guys yeah. think it has to do with the fact that when you're watching it now with the uh, the the knowledge of everything that's come before? And being like, possibly, this is great in comparison. What no, was I worried no, about? I don't think so. I think it's that I've paid attention this time way more to not just the story, but to the cinematography. But then I've also tried mm. really hard to. I've I've always known that I get kind of like around the same sort of t- part after we see the um, uh, the um, CIA. I know I always kind of trail off a little bit in terms of the story, but I'm I made the point to stay focused on it and um yeah i don't expect the average punter to do it but but in me actively choosing to push on and pay attention i was rewarded for that but i can yep. see why this film's done badly um ratings wise because mm. you shouldn't have to push so hard to pay attention no um now look the biggest thing that i always thought was the trouble with this is that there's a lot of there's a lot of good things in there, but they don't seem to have a very good um, story. So there's a lot of cool moments that I, I just thought didn't string together very well. And a lot of that is because at the time the Writers Guild of America was about to go on strike. And I found a really fun bit of trivia on this. Screenwriter Paul Haggis finished his final draft of the script only two hours before the Writers Guild of America strike started. Goodness me. So that's like to me that that pieces a lot of it together. Um, some other interesting stuff very quickly. Um, pre-production had actually begun on this film before Casino Royale had even started filming. That's wild. That that, that they had yep. this plotted out so long ago. Yep. Well, I guess um, the, the the James Bond franchise is one that you're like. Yeah, there's going to be a sequel. And even if you don't have the same actors, you know that something's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, now, this is also, and, you know, we, we all loved that song. This is the first time that an official James Bond movie title song has been sung by two artists as a duet. Oh, wow. I love this. That, song. I love Alicia That had never well. been done. Oh, she's amazing. And to have Jack White in there who wrote the song and plays guitar and drums for it, just amazing. Um, This is also, and this, I I guess this is quite obvious, we've talked about this, but this is the first James Bond film to be a direct sequel to the previous movie. And, you know, as as we're going to see over the next um, two weeks as well, that this whole era this daniel craig era is one linear story which Mm. is really interesting um more recent trivia um or or i guess more recently relevant trivia to this is that olga kurilenko who played camille and david harbour who was greg beam the um uh, felix's boss yeah they both appear together in marvel's black widow who's olga is she taskmaster yeah, yeah, she is. <laughs> um, you got that. You got yeah. that note on Mr. White. What was? So can you? Can oh, you, okay. What? Yeah. So Mr. White is only the second James Bond villain to be played 
by the same actor in two movies. The first one being Jaws, because he played the role in two separate films. Blofeld was played by different actors each mm. time. And then it's only now that Christoph Waltz has become the third actor to do it by playing Blofeld twice. Because yeah. we had him, well, we're going to see him in Spectre, and then apparently we're going to see him again in No Time to Die. Let's so, see. Yeah, you know, we'll, we don't know, so we'll see when we get there. Um, last one that I found really interesting, and I spotted this in the credits tonight when I watched the film, is that Mexican directors Guillermo del Toro and Alfonso Cuaron both provided additional voice work in this film. Didn't even know. Which, didn't even hear. Yeah, had no name. idea. Love both of them. Had no idea about this. Um, Bianca, your scores. Give us your scores. I'm gonna have to give it nines again. I re- I did actually really enjoy this, even though I, I, there are. You're right. I mm-hmm. probably should have concentrated a lot more than I did, but I did genuinely enjoy this film. Um, and I, I kind of want to watch it again, so I can understand more of what happened. <laughs> Um, understandable actually yeah but yeah so i nine's all around for me and, um, and i ha- just just onto the tech stuff for like the era i've realized that uh this this does remind me a lot more of the Bourne's uh series and like yes. how uh they had the same is. i i think it was the same cinematographer on this one that did born supremacy and born ultimatum and it was done intentionally they hired him to get the born look in this one yeah well okay. you can really see it and i i appreciate yeah. it I, I actually also really like the born movies um i gave it uh, i gave it eight and seven and a half because i've been trying to weigh which up one and which one was which so personal <laughs> and eight because i did okay. thoroughly enjoy it this time around yeah. Um, I can. Own, I'm only rating it on this time round. I'm not looking at previous viewings or everything like that because it's all about what I thought now. Eight, personally, because I really did enjoy it and it was so refreshing to see very interesting cinematography in a Bond film. I fully mm. understood the Mather story this time round and got closure on that because it was really sad the way he died. Um, yeah. I thought that we had a good enough villain um, and then I appreciated the kind of bureaucracy of it all as well um with the 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 prime minister and and the british government and then also the cia and the american government and them kind of taking a backseat to the bullshit because it's all about winning even though they weren't going to so i appreciated that um seven and a half for technical because i thoroughly enjoyed the cinematography and i got the story so much more it loses the half point um from an eight because it shouldn't be that difficult to follow along with a movie and i found it really difficult to and also i've never quite appreciated that there seems to be quite a division in my mind to where the end of the casino royale stuff finishes and then the quantum of solar story picks up and Mm. i feel like it kind of does it a disservice carrying on the story just too closely and then not really... Yeah, I find that there's a bit of a lull in the middle yep. part and I think that it's hurt because of that. Yep. Um, pers- yeah. Sure. Personally, I gave it seven and a half, which I think's the highest I think I've ever considered that movie to be. I've never actually been 
the biggest fan but you know what like the, the scenes i love and i found i was enjoying a lot of it and you know even the scenes i always enjoyed by the way um the the rooftop chase when they tip over into the building mm-hmm. that is some of the best camera work i love that shot and then as yes. soon as they go into the building it's the end of jurassic park yeah it is it's, it's, it is it is oh it's just so quickly, good but, just quickly yeah. drew before you get on to the rest of that it, yeah. Is the house that Mathis live in the house from transport? Um, trans uh, uh, was it the transporter? It looks like it. I feel like it is. Anyway, sorry. Go on. I haven't. On. I haven't checked, but it really looks like it. Mm. Also, um, very quickly, how you're talking yes. about the action shots in this? I, yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of action shots in movies nowadays they've they they got onto this trend at some point and they've never let it go of action shots that make you feel seasick. Um, mm-hmm. This you feel like you're in the action. Yeah, yeah, but this this is like sort of the perfect balance of I definitely felt like I was in the back action, but I also found it like I was far enough away that I wasn't feeling ill. Mm. Um I and I could concentrate on what was happening and see what was happening and I kind of I really appreciated that. Um I I I know yeah. what you're talking about there cuz I actually find that with the next two that we're about to watch. Um on a technical level, I give it a seven, and I mostly I give it the seven for the for the camera work, which I think is fantastic. Um, I'm interested in the fact that this is one of the shortest Bond films at like 106 yeah. minutes or something, and yet it is to date the most expensive Bond movie ever made at 225 million dollars, which is insane. Goodness me! Also, Daniel Craig injured himself like three times making this movie, where he had six pins put into his shoulder he had to have um stitching done on his face and um plastic surgery done to his face based on an injury that he sustained shooting this like (laughs) this thing was full on and you you can feel every second of that so i i feel like giving it a seven seems suitable for that because i still at the end of the day all these cool shots they need a proper story to string it together and and mm-hmm. that's where it loses its three points and it it just bugs me to no end and i i i kind of have an idea of where i'm going to rate the next two already um and i'll reserve it until i watch them again but i feel like if i'm going to compare back and forth i know that this one isn't going to hold up against the next two very well yep no i i agree and of course, that sound means one thing. It is time for our sick Kent of the week. Um, our sick Kent of the week this week is Bianca or Drew. Uh, Bianca. ICAC. <laughs> uh, it's got to be ICAC. Uh, yep. ICAC stands for. Oh my god, I never remember. Independent Commission Against, against Corruption. corruption. <laughs> yes, um, they effectively are the reason why Gladys Berejiklian has had to. Step down. Uh, mm-hmm. She no, actually, they're not the reason that she had to step down. They have exposed how fucked up she is, and she had to step down because of how fucked up she yep. is. Because it's all coming out now. Because then John Barilaro was called to testify against her and give her give not testify, give his statement of events, uh, in which we've also found out how corrupt he is. But and this is my favorite part about ICAC. Um, in to try and make himself look better, John Barilaro has gone and thrown Gar- Gladys Berejiklian under the bus, like <laughs> being like it was her idea. 
this all happened because of her. She approved of it. She said we had plenty of meetings where she said, you know, we should do this and this to, you know, fund money through these systems so we can get the votes and, you know, Daryl Maguire, her boyfriend, could benefit from profits. You know, he fully going out there and exposing her. So um, Gladys Berejiklian's uh, counter move is that according to rumours, it looks like, because she has to go back and do her own statement, it hasn't come out yet, she hasn't actually gone and done her statement yet, but according to a leak from her lawyer's office, she's now going to, her defence is a good offence and she's going to go out there and expose everybody else. So everyone in Parliament, hold on to your knickers. Everyone is going to get exposed, and I'm so looking forward to it. Like <laughs> this, this stuff is like a, every Greek gossiping girl's <sighs> dream come true, and it's fucking brilliant. Bye um, bye bras. Also, Daryl Maguire has come out in between all of this. Daryl Maguire has come out and been like, "Yeah, we did that." Um, <laughs> he's just been like, "Yeah, Gladys helped us," you know, through. She, she like, helped us throw money at Wagga Wagga and, like, you know, do all of this stuff. And, you know, he's just laying it out there. He They obviously had a messy breakup. It's brilliant. And thank ICAC for finding all this out. It's like they're reading mm-hmm. everyone's DMs and it's mwah, brilliant. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, ICAC, you are this week's sick end of the week. Absolutely. Um, couldn't agree <laughs> no more. No question. Um, yeah, um... Unlike the ones they have for Gladys. Um, okay, that brings us to the end of the episode. Drew, thank you. Bianca, thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank of you, course, audience. Of course. Um, until next week. Uh, yeah.